Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello, and welcome Hello, to Story Time for the Moon Boys. Hello, Tim. How are you? Well, we've had a bit of a technical thing leading up to this, but that doesn't yeah. matter, does it? Because we're on now. We're on. We're in different parts of the universe. Not that different. It's still in the same city. But we aren't in the shed, are we? You know, like those global positioning, GPS, you know, where you've... you've I know what that is, yes. Yeah. If there was one for the universe, we our dots would be identical, wouldn't they? We'd be in exactly the same place. Well, I think that depends on how big the map was. I mean, if it's for the universe and it's really trying to get in the whole universe then I imagine it's quite a big GPS image you're talking about. And maybe yeah. maybe you being in your part of London and me being in my part of London would just about show. But possibly not. I don't think so. I think if if you've got a GPS thing that covers infinity and we're six miles from each other, I mm. think we're literally on the same dot, aren't we? Well, it's very hard to know the truth of that since yeah. there is no such thing. That's good so uh, you're talking about God's uh, sat-nav basically there aren't you and, and yeah, who knows that what the g stands for i didn't know that yeah gods what's it what, what, is, what does gps stand for something god's satellite pe- god's people sensor 
God's people sense that. Okay, well, we're definitely quite... The thing is, as we know, God sees all of us yeah. through his godly eyes and also through his God people system. And so, yeah, so if he sees all of us, he can't see us one as, as one dot. He sees all of us. And- he sees my basic human essence and your basic human essence. Mm. So there's going to be no good if, you, if it's just one, one merged dot. I don't want to get, this is maybe opening out too much and not suggesting we crack this, but yeah. and I know it's sort of well-trodden, but what would be the point of God creating humans to see what they, to give them free will and see what they, what would the point of that be? Oh, what's God's motivation for the whole thing? It's just kind of a big experiment, I think. I think right. that's how it works with the free will argument. It's a big experiment. Right. He's like a scientist. Because it is a bit like that. It's a bit like, um, is it Stanford experiment where they oh, yeah. um, said, right, you, you these people are being wired up and every yeah. time they say something, you, you give them an electric shock? Yes. That's sort of testing humans to see what their moral compass is. But that I get because that's human. No, I get, yeah, and it's real, real thing that happened, yeah. Well, no, but no, okay. Wow, you're ruling out God really early on. We haven't quite yeah. explored it yet. But okay. that's that's experiment humans experimenting with humans. Think what's what are we like? God, yeah. it's like you creating this whole thing and then saying, "I wonder if it works." Or you think, "Well, it doesn't matter." You, I mean, who cares? Yeah, kind of just one small point. What you just yeah. said is that that's humans experimenting on humans, thinking, "What are we like?" The phrase "What are we like?" I don't really think of it like that. I think of it as, "What are we like?" <laughs> And that isn't why I associate with the Stanford experiment. Do you know I what I mean? You're... The Stanford experiment, which demonstrated there was a deep depravity and sort of Nazi tendency within human beings mm. when they were taking what they thought were orders to just be unbelievably sadistic to other people. Mm. I doubt at the end of that experiment, anyone said, what are we like? I think if the Today programme had been around when the Stanford experiment, I think that's exactly what the, if they said, like, what's the one thing you take from it? They'd probably say, you know what, what are we like? That might be what God's doing with his universal experiment. Right. Except he wouldn't use the word we because he's not a human. What so are they God, like? What are they, yes. But like, I suppose what I mean is if God created these humans and said, I wonder if they'll be violent or I wonder if they'll be altruistic. So they think, well, whichever they are, just make them slightly differently. I mean, you've made them up, so so what? Also, when does the experiment end? Yes. Because, I mean, it's a long, ongoing experiment. It's been going on for a while. Brexit referendum, <laughs> maybe. It's been going on for a while now. And if he's trying to... In most experiments, yeah. they collate the information after a certain time and present the data yeah. and come to an, a conclusion. But yeah. one wonders... It feels very like God's never going to do that. It's a, do you think he's doing something else? I can't think what it might be. <laughs> it's... Pro- because they seem to have invented the vaccine in a year. And so... Chess... That wasn't God, though. That was some scientists. That's what I'm saying. That's like the chess computer beating chess grandmasters. Like, created something that's a bit better than him. Because you think God created coronavirus and then they beat him with the vaccine. Is oh, that no, I wasn't thinking that. I was just thinking about, like, well, that's an experiment that, that's gone quite quickly. And they've sort of, yeah, we've done it. And that's what's next. Whereas God is still going, as you say, after millennia. Yeah. I mean, what I sometimes wonder... I mean, from my position of fundamentalist atheism, is that if I did believe in God, mm. I might never bother with the argument like people go on about. I'm surprised we've got onto all this so quickly, but there we are. Uh, people go on about, oh yeah, but if there was, if there's a God, why do bad things happen? I would say, well, that's not relevant because God is an artist, isn't he? He doesn't believe in good and evil and stuff like that. He just right. like he's just creating this thing. Oh, I see. Sort of for his own whatever, and we can't understand it, and it's just ongoing. It's just an ongoing artistic endeavour, humanity yes. and life. 
Yeah, I mean, I, 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 well, so I'm also a, an atheist, but here's something kind of wonderful. It right. doesn't prove the existence of God, but that you definitely know this. And my son is doing history of art at the moment, and he was doing a thing about what you learn about color and stuff, how you should talk about a color in a painting, you know, what sort of languages and what you should look for. And I was looking at the notes because I was just quite interested. And very early on in the notes, it says this thing, which is kind of amazing, which I know you know, but that every single color, primary colors are every color, aren't they? Yeah, every color comes from a mixture of the primary colors or is a primary color. That's unbelievable, isn't it? Is it? Well, there are three colors, basically. There are three basic colors. That's right. Green. But there are also, there's there's very few building blocks of matter. There's sort of, you know, neutrons, protons, electrons, then there's quarks and muons and whatever. But really, it's incredible. All types of matter are basically electrons and neutrons and protons. Yeah, that's a good point. Just in slightly different orders. Let's take it to songwriting. Okay, good. Because some people actually do listen to this podcast because they're interested in music. Not that There are 11 notes, right? Yeah. The 12th being a, a repetition of the first one. Yeah. More well, there are 11 right. notes in the Western piano scale. Right. I mean, you know, in Indian okay. music and Eastern music, there's, it's completely different. Is that true? Yeah, the C, C sharp, D, D sharp, that's a Western piano scale right. that you're talking about. But when you're playing a sitar, it has those notes, right? No, I don't think it does. I think, oh. it, has a, I think it has more notes. I think it has quarter tones and things like that on it. Okay. And certainly oh, yeah. in, in electronic music, you've got more notes. Let's stick to Western pop music. Yes, the the piano. And the piano. You would think that more often than not, you'd write a song and think, oh, I can't stop writing. It's just basically I keep doing Eye on the Walrus. Or, you know, you just think that. All the young dudes. Tell you what, let's make it Bowie. Let's make it Bowie. Why not? Okay. It's all the young dudes. Partly because Stand By Me by Oasis. Yeah. Someone was saying the other day, I don't think this is libelous. So I'll say allegedly anyway, is just basically a rewrite of All the Young Dudes. Which actually, I, I don't hear, because I don't, probably just not a good enough ear. It's only when, you know, Stand By Me by Oasis. No, I know exactly the bit you're talking about. Yeah, there's a bit that goes, duh, 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 duh. That's very, yeah. very, very well done, that. Yeah. Bit. But you know the bit I mean that sounds yeah. like the four chords? Yeah. That being your point, I think, that you would have thought with that few notes, you'd always be rewriting another song. You'd think it'd be the other way around. You'd think, yeah, mostly it's nearly all the same as someone else. And occasionally there's, oh, that's a bit new. But it is the other way around. But that, isn't that true of the human understanding in every respect? Like, we've all got a nose. Well, we some people, unfortunately, haven't. But let's not worry about people it's with no good noses. It's to be sensitive to that. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. Everyone's listening to this without a nose. Uh, you know, I don't want to exclude anyone. But let's assume for the moment we all have a nose, two eyes, a mouth, and two ears, right? You'd have thought <laughs> the human face has quite a small amount of features that are yeah. all fairly similar. And yeah. yet... We are able to discern with most people, occasionally yeah. not with twins or whatever, the differences between thousands and thousands of yeah. faces. I think about that a lot, that exactly, you you never meet someone who looks exactly the same as someone else, do you? But, but well, very, very... Who do you think you look like if you were like, with a little bit of rearranging, like only a tiny bit, who could you turn into most obviously? Ben Elton. Ben Elton, okay. Well, because I am well-known, this happens to me all the time, and I don't, I definitely don't want to tell my seven stories, some of which I told on your programme the other day. I was watching, um, it was on yesterday, I was watching Unforgivable, the Mel Gidroyd show that I was on, 
And I, I went I went well on that show. I got a lot of laughs, but I watched it and thought, I've told these fucking stories too many times. Yeah. I'm telling them again. There were one or two I had never told before, but I'm t- in fact, that's the same thing. I'm rearranging right. a, a small amount of stories into new patterns. Anyway, why am I bringing that up? Because you look like Ben Elton. Oh, yes. Well, so I'm not going to tell the 27... No, no, I've got about seven stories about being mistaken for Ben Elton. But... Um, I have been mistaken. Here's one I haven't told. Ben Elton wrote a book called um, Two Brothers, which is set during the war. Right. And I wrote a book set during the war called The Secret Purposes. So there is an element of confusion there. But I once met a woman. I actually was telling Ben Elton this the other day. He said, have you read Two Brothers? I said, not only have I read it, I once met a woman who insisted that I'd written it. She said, you, that book you wrote, I really liked it. And I thought she meant The Secret Purpose at first. She said, that book set during the war. And after a while, it was clear to me from her describing the plot that she meant Two Brothers by Ben Elton. And I said, no, that, that's by Ben Elton. And she said, no, 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 no. I, you know, you know the one. <laughs> I just kept going and going. And no amount of me saying that is definitely a different book by a different person would, you know, convince her. But she thought you were Ben Elton, therefore. I'm not or... sure she did think that. Because that is... Here's one of the really weird things about being well-known and looking like other people is that you sometimes exist in a kind of Schrodinger's Ben Elton Bedeal-ness, where where they sort of think you're both person. And I'll tell you what perfectly describes this, which is that my son, Ezra, when he was about five, six, I took him to see The Muppets, the film, and Stephen Fry was at the film of The Muppets, and I... I was talking to Stephen Fry and Ezra appeared and in quite a sort of like, I'm going to say this, I want to say something to this person way, like a child might do. He said, I just want to say, I'm a very big fan of Top Gear. And <laughs> Stephen Fry said, do you think I'm Jeremy Clarkson or James May? And Ezra said, both. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when I thought about it, I thought you could mistake him for both. I mean, he can't be both. He can't be oscillating between both of them, but you could mistake him for both, certainly if you were six years old or whatever. Well, yeah, I've got that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just going back to the fact that this woman, she thought you'd written a book by someone who really looks a lot like you, but she didn't think you were him. No. No, <laughs> she didn't think I was him. In her mind, David Baddiel wrote Two Brothers. It's a sort of confusion that people have. You've overlapped with someone else. Yes. And did um, you find that... During the writing of Black Adder, was that an issue? Yes, that's a, like a story I tell, you see. You've now trodden on a story I tell, which is that Ronan Keating uh, of Boyzone once came up to me at the Comedy Awards and told him he was a massive fan, he said. And it was going, it went on for about, uh, oh my I God. would say about seven minutes about, I love everything you do. I've just always been a fan. You're so funny and blah, blah, blah. It was all really nice. And then he said, what I really, really like that you did was Black Adder. And I said, I, I said, I'm not Ben Elton. He just looked really angry, like I've been deliberately trying to trick him with my face. And that is an old story that I tell quite a lot. But he definitely was quite angry. He walked away. It was really like I was fucking with him by having this face and turning up at the Comedy Awards and pretending to be Ben Elton. And maybe it just didn't occur to him that I, you know, was like another comedian who he had mixed up with Ben Elton. I think he just thought this is some this is some imposter that has got all this praise for nothing. Wow. So yeah, feeling the anger is um yeah that's, un- that's unwelcome, isn't it, to say the least. Yeah, although I could see, I mean I don't know Ronan Keating, so if you're listening, Ronan, I, I apologize, but I think he just felt humiliated. 
but I hadn't done anything to humiliate him. Right. I just stood there and had this face. It's a bit like me and Roger Braidwood, I suspect. Who's that? He was the next door neighbour growing up. Yeah. And his son, Gordon, he was a friend of mine. I feel compelled to say, amazingly, he didn't have a nose, which sounds... (laughs) (laughs) Just because I'm still a bit... (laughs) I'm sort of worried that there are... Noseless people. But there probably are people who don't have a nose and it's probably bad. Yeah, it's, I'm sure how it's bad. How do yeah. smell? Yeah, my dog's got one. Or he hasn't got one. <laughs> anyway. Uh, good luck riffing on that joke. My dog's got a nose. <laughs> All right. Has he? <laughs> how does he smell? Quite easily. Although he's a little bit bugged up at the moment. And also he smells like, he also smells, you know, bad as well. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dogs often do. Yeah. <laughs> But um, in Whisper Green, where I grew up, there it's probably still is actually a flower show on August Bank Holiday, and they have a tug of war. Right. And at that point, like my dad and Roger and a few John Newman, obviously, and a few others, mm. Linda's husband from. Oh, right, Linda. Okay. And they were all in a tug of war, and I think they must have won or you know done well. And I ran towards my dad. I was about six, and just sort of, well, maybe I was younger. Sort of hugged his legs. Yeah, because it seemed to be the right height, and said, "Well done." And I looked up, and I can still see now. I looked up, and looking down at me was Roger Braidwood. And oh, really? So you thought it was your dad, but it was Roger yeah. Braidwood? I was absolutely mortified. Yeah. Did he storm off like Ronan Keating? <laughs> <laughs> he. I don't know what he did. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I just don't know what he did. But I remember being kind of slightly traumatized by it. Yeah, it's quite traumatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Did Roger Braidwood look like your dad? No, nothing like him. He he was well. Depends what you're comparing it to. Yeah, he they both was, had no noses, so he was that's probably your good. He was. Problem. He did no. He didn't really look like him, and he was a I think a pretty nice guy. From what did I you know. actually hang on to his leg? Like a, yeah, well, like that's a the dog trying to shag his leg. Yeah, I sort of grabbed his leg, and and probably it was a bit exposing, sort of just sort yes. Of, that's the other thing is what you've done, which is a little bit like this is why Ronan Keating. You've actually managed to find why Ronan Keating was. Right. Upset because you hugging your dad's leg is quite vulnerable. Yeah. It's sort of like, I'm so happy to see my dad's won the tug of war and beaten Linda's husband and everything. And I'm so happy about it. Uh, And, and, you know, it's very moving and touching and a sweet thing to do. But then you've got the wrong leg. And so suddenly you feel all that vulnerability is wrong and exposed. and And, And a little bit like that is involved in going up to someone at a celebrity event and saying, I'm a massive fan. Yes, that's true. It also has a slight problem as well, which is I'm such a massive fan, I don't really know what you look like. I think that's the other yeah. reason it might be humiliating. Yeah, I see what you mean. And maybe we've all been in the situation. You are so embarrassed, you just have to walk away. It's sort of so ruined. Yes. There's no way out of it. No, that's true. Well, the way out of it, but he didn't do this, because I think I did say I'm not Ben Allen, I'm David Baddiel, would be to say, oh, sorry, silly of me. I'm a massive fan of yours too, but that isn't what happened. <laughs> <laughs> not at all anyway no. i'm gonna move on because it's 20 minutes in we haven't well we yeah. did mention bowie briefly but i am gonna mention you don't have, we don't have to mention him so as we know my only uh, attempt to do any preparation for this podcast now is to type in bowie into the google news and the big news on bowie google news is that alice cooper has now sort of suggested that he was the original brains behind everything that bowie did 
Wow. That he he invented kind of glam rock and yeah. that whole theatrics and whatever. Mm. So I did a little investigation into this because I thought, well, that's obviously can't be true because Alice Cooper, God love him, but he's not a genius like no. Bowie. But then there is a rather weird thing, which is that in the 60s, he was in a band called The Spiders. And get this, they broke up and reformed, and they were called Naz. Really? Yeah. Alice that- Cooper's band was called The Spiders, and then when they broke up, they were called Naz. And actually, they only stopped being called Naz because it turned out that Todd Rundgren had a band called The Naz. That's a slight red herring in the point I'm trying to tell you, which yeah. is because he claims that Bowie came to see him on stage in about 1972 or 73 and said, I presume they were actually there, to Woody and Mick and Trevor, right, this is how we should be. We should be like this. And that's that's what Alice is saying today. When was he in the NAS? Sort of 1969, 68, 69. So that's incredible. Yeah. And has have you found, has Bowie ever said anything? I Googled Bowie Alice Cooper and I mainly yeah. found that news story again and again. Yeah, yeah. What I didn't find, because if, if I was Alice Cooper and I was going to make this quite bold claim that I am essentially... Yeah the godfather of the whole Bowie thing, I think I would have also said, and by the way, in one of his most famous songs, that line, you know, is is there, you know, there's both the spiders and he was the yeah. Naz are in one song that is one of the most central songs of Bowie. So that proves it. I would have said that, but he doesn't say that. Yeah. To me, this is a bit like we've talked about how you can't seriously say... Well, I think it was Jonathan Ross that said it. You can't say once you pop, you can't stop. Right? In a, it was Jonathan Ross who said yeah. yes. In a serious way. I similarly find I can't sort of with a straight face and hand on heart say that around 1972, 73, David Bowie had a band called The Spiders. You can't say it. No, well, like, it doesn't feel real that his band were called The Spiders from Mars. Well, they weren't quite, were they? Well, they? They were called the Spiders from Mars in the world of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars. But like people like Woody Womansey refer to themselves as being in the Spiders at that time. Yes. And because that's because when they went on stage, right. Bowie was playing Ziggy Stardust. Right. And but, they were the Spiders from Mars, sort of. Nev- point being, Alice Cooper had a band called the Spiders, right? Did you say? Yeah. But they were not Alice Cooper and the Spiders. Okay. Uh, they, the, Alice Cooper, before he became Alice Cooper. Yeah was in various bands in the 60s, and one was called The Spiders and one was called Naz. Because that, as you say, that seems to be the thing that most of all he should say is that Bowie had a band called The Spiders. That does sound like Alice Cooper's idea, doesn't it? Yeah, no, Alice Cooper, if he wants to say Bowie nicked it, which is sort of what he's saying, so I'm going to quote this. David used to come to the show when he was a mime artist. He was Davy Jones back then. I remember at one of our Welcome to My Nightmare shows, he brought his band, The Spiders from Mars, and he was saying this is what we should be doing. But he never did it the way we did it. Well, in a way that didn't create history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It opened a huge door, apparently. When we started doing theatrics, that opened a huge door for Bowie, Lou Reed and Velvet Underground because you could be theatrical and commercial at the same time. He's, he's sort of casting around for different things because he then says, I created Alice as a villain and Bowie created all of his, his characters to fit who he wanted to be. So I never really saw him as competition. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things about that. One is I like that it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of how doors work because you don't need a massive door to let them all through, do you? You just need a door. Did he say a door? Did he mention He said, I created a big door for Lou Reed as if they all need to go through at the same time, which isn't true. No, that's not true. No, from a carpentry point of view. 
You, he create. I think he means I created a door to a very big room. Right. Yes, that does make more sense. Yeah. If he, if he means metaphorically, there was this incredible world of theatrics and rock music. Yeah. Uh, then the door could be quite small into that. Easily. Yeah. There's a lot of amazing places that only have small doors. Like what? I don't know. What are you thinking of there? <laughs> I'm thinking of, let's say, going to Wembley. St- well, you've played Wembley. St- what did you play? Wembley Stadium? No, Arena. Wem- but I've been to Wembley Stadium. That's got quite a big door. <laughs> yeah, that's the wrong example. A number of enormous doors. Uh, they're more like gates. I think somewhere like Wembley Stadium. Yeah. Sorry, Wembley Arena, I beg your pardon. Yeah. You did stand-up, right? I've done stand-up there, yeah. yes. I bet it doesn't have massive doors. It probably has quite perfunctory sort of... Yeah, quite perfunctory doors. I mean, again, quite a few doors. So I wouldn't say it's got a, a small door. Yeah. But I, I take your point that I don't think there's any amazing building I could think of. There probably are is one where the reason you're going there is for the door. Yeah. Doors are very much a means to an end. Yeah. So, well, in a way, maybe he's right without realising it. Because I think he's trying to say, I was responsible for the whole thing, for Lou Reed, for David Bowie, blah, blah, blah. But in a way, his subconscious has said the right thing, which is, you were probably the door. Yes. But all the real stuff happened inside, past the door. I want to just slightly nuance that. I think he means there was a place that nobody could get into and he designed a door. For, he created a door into it. Yeah, I think you might be going a bit too Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen on this. <laughs> I know he's in your show tonight while yeah. recording this, but I think you've gone a little bit interior design literal about that. Do you get tense or is this a childhood experience? That Do you get tense when you go, I go in- to Millets? Is it Millets? Because the camping shop. That was a joke. That was a joke based on the only camping shop I could think of. I don't even know if Millet is a camping shop. (laughs) I see what you mean. Now, do you get anxious when you go into a, usually hotel, I think, with a rotating door? A bit, yeah. Not just a hotel. Uh, Lots of places have a rotating door. Yeah, like old... The BBC has a rotating door. Does it? Yeah, when you go into the BBC, not the first door but the bit where you get your card and you go and have your, your meeting where they're not going to commission whatever it is you want them to, there's a rotating door. Yeah, you're quite right, there is. I'm nervous about those doors. But anyway, Alex... What, that you might get stuck in them forever? Yeah, just, just... It seems to me there's a very, very quick succession of decisions you have to make which you don't want to have to make with doors which normally just let you in. You have to choose the bit to push on and then you have to pretty... As soon as you're in, you have to start thinking about your exit. Yeah, you're right. By the way, the Alice Cooper thing does tell you, or not tell you, but it was revealing of something, which is, and that's why ultimately I'm slightly taken against him for saying it, although I don't know him and I'm sure, which is, it's another one of those things, which is I gave him the band name and the glam and the costume. I think that's not really what Bowie is ultimately about. No. And it's it's sort of annoying, isn't it, when you hear someone saying that in a way because you think yeah you don't understand really what but i mean what are you saying that you wrote all these extraordinary songs that he did over the years because that's really what we like about him yeah but again you see alice's subconscious perhaps you know i'm a i'm quite a believer in this that the truth will out has told the truth because alice is just about the costumes and the look and the you know attitude 
because he only wrote one great song. I mean, no doubt we have Alice Cooper fans listening who will disagree. But beyond School's Out, I'm not aware of any great Alice Cooper songs. But well, he was gonna, he was a very you. he was a very big showman. He did have a good old at the time edgy sort of character. Yeah, he did invent that. I'm going to tell isn't, you, as you say, that's not really the important thing no, about Murray. It really isn't. And I, well, first of all, I don't think he did create a door. And if he did, I think it was really tiny and un, and actually Bowie. I mean, I think Bowie built on it. You know, like a builder who's come in and said, I don't know who put that door in, but this is what you want because yeah. I think I just don't subscribe to the view but here's the thing five on spotify obviously the most popular five alice you might know more than you think okay and what are the five i mean you said one school's out right school's out has 81 and a half million streams yes Uh, that doesn't surprise me no but it is kind of nothing as a song isn't it it's all it's all right it's all right it's got a good riff it's a bit like something from a musical yeah anyway all, all of his stuff is like something from rocky horror show yeah so there are four more and I think you well, might think, get, well, the highest one of all with 213 million. What, higher than School's Out? Yeah, is one word title. Right. Is it one of his songs or is it a cover? Uh, it's, no, it's his song. I mean, I kind of know it now that it's, it's a bit uh, 80, I think. Poison. Yes. Yes. Poison is huge. And then there's another one, which is like a phrase you use. I think it's in a film. It's sort of, it's, uh, it was the title of that book written about the marijuana importer, the Welsh guy. Yes, Mr. Mr. Cannabis. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not right, is it? What an effective cover that would be <laughs> if the police ever came. No, it's, um, it's a city in the south of France on the coast. I don't know why I'm giving. Is it Mr. Can? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's a biscuit. Mr. Digestive. <laughs> that's it, yeah. No, it's a... Um, Oh, for God's sake, nice. Mr. Nice, yes. No Mr. more nice. Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah. The other two, for different reasons, sound terrible. The the, the one with 24 million streams is I'm 18. He, he isn't, is he? He I isn't. Mean, well, he said he isn't now, but I wonder if he ever was. It seems I mean, he obviously like was the... 18, but when he did the song. Right. I don't. Well, I don't know whether that's true, but it also seems like the most underwhelming way to use that age in a title of a song, doesn't it? Yeah. I'm 18, yeah. I'm 18. Is it a song about trying to get a drink at a bar? It could be, but it's very... (laughs) It's just very... Oh, and by the way, I'm 18. Yeah. Yeah, so to be honest with you, almost any song by a man from that period that's got a low age in it is already suspect. Definitely. No, that's, that's true. And then the final one is just sort of really begs lots of questions. It's Feed My Frankenstein. I mean, I mean, all of those songs, except possibly I'm 18, illustrate what I was saying. Admittedly, he was five years before the Rocky Horror Show. But essentially, they're yeah. all songs that could have been in the Rocky Horror Show. Poison, okay. you know, I'm your Frankenstein, you know, all of them. Who do you think could have been said to have created the doors to go through for rock music? <laughs> sorry, for, sorry, is this a joke? <laughs> it's a joke. Yeah, because like I haven't a lot done it very well. I haven't, I haven't done it very well. Like a lot of jokes, the premise and the questions seem quite weird. And not yeah. Yeah. A bit like they don't want to mention some key words. That yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, I was trying to phrase it right, and it didn't go very well. Who do I think created the door for rock music? Well, here's the problem. I give, I've given away the joke, but I didn't Morrison? say, I didn't say yes, I didn't say the door. I said the doors. 
Yeah. Because <laughs> you did say earlier, I don't think you did create the door to go through. You said that earlier. That's where I thought yeah. of the joke. Uh, and now I come back to it, but I've had to say doors. Yeah. If I'm honest, it's funnier saying, who's the lead singer of the doors? Answer, Jim Morrison. That is actually funnier. How is that funnier? That's just a it's trivia not, question. It's not funny at all, but it's funnier than what you just did. <laughs> you say that, but you're laughing. <laughs> right, I'm going to go on to something else, which is I watched, because another thing I saw on Bowie News is some recently, some footage has appeared, which hasn't been seen before. And it's not that interesting. It's David Bowie in about 2003. Right. And he brings on Ray Davis yeah. to sing Waterloo Sunset. And he does some jokes, um, really bad jokes beforehand. Yeah. Uh, but let's not go into those, because I think we've slagged him off too often for not being funny. The thing I've noticed is Ray Davis comes on and sings Waterloo Sunset with Bowie. And I'm watching it thinking, yeah, this is all right. And then I noticed towards the end of the song, Ray Davis is wearing a really weird bow tie and oh. sort of slightly odd jacket, like quite a big bow tie, almost like a comedy right clown bow tie right. and what it made me think of is i don't care much about clothes you may have noticed that about me i have maybe noticed yeah yeah but i did a tv thing yesterday and i did say to my wife shall i wear this top she also said your hair's terrible and the night before she'd given me a haircut and stuff all this stuff that suggested that i cared about it enough to think about that and yet i watched most of this song and didn't notice <laughs> that he had basically a clown's bow tie on. Right. And you don't, my point being that people worry a lot about what yeah, they yeah. look like on TV right, and yeah. stuff. And most of the time you're not even, you don't yeah, notice yeah. it. Even something yeah. quite garish and outlandish like that. But I think that's a actually a more general point about the way we think about ourselves. We tend to overthink all of these things, don't we? And most people are just not paying attention. If you came into our office, say, and then stood up on one of the tables in front of everyone and did like a weird sort of hula dance. I'm trying to think, so, you know, and just started shouting your name. <laughs> so, I think if yeah. I was doing a hula dance, I would go down, 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 down. I would do, I'd try yeah. and make it something. Yeah. You know, fitting. Yeah. Did that sort of who, and then walked off again. Yeah. People would go, Oh yeah, David, we came in and did that, but they wouldn't, in your mind, it might be something you never got over. You think, what yeah. the hell was I doing? Yeah. But most people would be like, do you remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they'd say, by the way, has that other thing, has that thing happened yet? Have we got that commission? Or so? It would be... That is true. Although I think it's truest about what people look like. Because I think people worry very much about that. And most people aren't thinking about it. But in general, it's true. Yes, in general... I mean, I don't suffer from this very much. My wife suffers from it a lot. Right. My wife, who hardly ever goes out whenever we used to go out was always convinced that she looked terrible and that everyone, you know, thought she was gauche and awkward and all, all things she isn't. And I used to say, no, but the mistake you're making here is not that you look shit or whatever, because you don't, but that's not the important point. The mistake you're making here is thinking that anyone there is really thinking about you. Yes. Because all they're really thinking about is themselves. Yes, exactly. Everyone has an inflated idea of about how they're impacting on the rest of the room. Yeah. And that's really what they're thinking about. They're not really thinking about you. Would you? But go she's, very, she's very convinced that people are because she has this sort of yeah. sense of being judged all the time that a lot of people yeah. do. I don't really have that. No, well, I don't think you do. I mean, when did you last go to a fancy dress party? It would have been Jonathan Ross's Halloween party. What did you wear for that? Well, I went to. I got to a point to going to Jonathan Ross's thing. So a lot of people spend a lot of money doing that, and obviously, I don't do that. Like Jimmy Carr will spend like 
a grand or something on his right. costume and it'll, and it'll look amazing or there'll be a woman like Holly Willoughby who will also look amazing and in a way fair enough because there'll be number there'll be 17 pictures of her in the mail on Sunday yeah or whatever what I decided is I always look terrible in a costume so my best bet is a costume that I sort of look like anyway and thus, my last few costumes of Jonathan Ross's thing, obviously it hasn't happened recently, have all been people who look a bit like me anyway. And that would include Fidel Castro. Yeah. Harold Shipman. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's a Halloween party, don't yeah. forget. I can't really call Harold Shipman's to mind, really. What Does he look like you, does he? Yeah. He looks quite a lot like me. Wow. I mean, balder. So my costume was literally a doctor's white coat, a stethoscope. Right. I think I made, which I've done a few times, at, which is shit at having party, a little name badge just in case people weren't sure. <laughs> I've done that a yeah. few times. Yeah. Uh, but that was my Harold Shipman. I was Stalin once as well. And, okay. and that, that's probably the biggest effort I've ever made because I shaved off the beard section of my facial hair and just kept the moustache. It wasn't just that. I also had a Russian right. hat and a big great coat. You mean you pipe. shaved off your beard? I shaved off the beard part of my facial hair. You shaved that's off your beard? Me. No. <laughs> Well, yes, but I think I have to say I shaved off the beard part of my facial hair because otherwise you don't get the image in your mind that I kept the moustache, which is absolutely key to Stalin. I don't listen. It's, it's a small point, but it's, it's I not, shaved, it's I not shaved a small point. Section of my face seems like something you'd say if you didn't know. Well, except you do know the word for beard because it's in there. But it's like <laughs> you shaved off your beard. There's no. I mean, that no. What, I'm sorry. I'm a bloke's got a beard. We've established that, right? Yep. If I said to you and we weren't looking at each other, I've shaved off my beard. Yes. I don't think you would necessarily think, oh, and kept the moustache. I think you'd just think, right, right you're clean shaven. Because if I was clean shaven, right. I wouldn't say I've shaved off my beard and moustache. I would just say I've shaved off my beard. So if someone says to you, oh, um, the guy that's meeting you, the Uber driver, has a beard, would you say, and a moustache? No, I wouldn't. I'd assume that I'm saying that beard includes moustache, except in the rare occasions when one is looking right. at a sort of Mormon who has a beard and not a moustache. And that is unusual. If that person said to me, the Uber yeah. driver's meeting you, he's got a beard. By the way, he's a Mormon. <laughs> I would think, oh, right. You mean a beard without a moustache. But or that's quite a lot of information. You should know that tonight he's going to a fancy dress party of Stalin, if you know what I mean. And you'd think, I know exactly what I'm looking for. No, no one will say, you're meeting the Uber driver, he's got a beard if he's just got a moustache. No one will ever say that. No, right. They'll say, he's got a moustache. Yeah. <laughs> but if you've got a beard and moustache, like I have, and you say, I've shaved off my beard, then I think people assume, right, you're clean shaven. Did Bowie ever have a beard? Yeah. Did he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm going to Google it. When did he have a beard? He definitely had a moustache. Yeah, moustache he's had a few times, although not that often. Yeah, here he is with a beard. He's had a goatee a few times. Oh, OK, but that's not a beard. No, well, hang on. OK, there's a whole section on this from Quora. OK. Why didn't David Bowie ever grow facial hair? Right? Okay. And Emil Frederick, Bowie fan since the age of 10, says that when he played Baal in Bertolt Brecht's Baal in 1981... Uh, he had a full beard. He had a moustache in 77. Oh, yeah. And he's got a beard in the hours period. Yeah, that little, but that's more like a goatee, isn't it? Well, it's, I'd say it's in between a beard and a goatee. But 
yes, he was more of a goatee man than than a beard. And that's kind of, I think that says something interesting about him, doesn't it? In that he yeah. was quite controlled. Yeah. And obviously, as we know, you know, like to have a look. <laughs> so I think I think it would be true about David Bowie yeah. is that he'd like to have a certain look. So just a beard like I've got feels a bit too like I haven't really thought about my face. Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's definitely right. I think he would want to play with everything. And so, yeah, sort of sculpting. Have you ever had a beard? I, the trouble is that when I go on holiday or, or so, you know, I, I sort of think oh, I'm going to stop because shaving is like having a job, isn't it? It's like drinking water. It's like, oh, God, I mustn't forget to do it. Mm. And I shave every day, but it's a bit boring doing it. And so when I'm on holiday, like many people, I leave it. And the slight problem is that I'm not fecund in this bit here. Like, I don't know what this is on my underlip top chin bit. Yeah, exactly. But a little bit is, but most of it isn't. And so right. it looks even so now I, I can see that because you've got a sort of yeah. five o'clock shadow uh, on your cheeks, sort of. but on your on your chin under mouth area. Yeah, it's a little bit like a ventriloquist dummy. You know that bit of ventriloquist dummy where it's got a hinge yeah. there. Yeah, looks a little bit like that. Yeah, and also it sort of goes a bit low here. So all in all, I think I look all right in a sort of George Michaely like a few days or whatever a week, but it's not great. And anyway, much as I like your beard, well, actually I'm completely neutral about your beard. If I'm honest, okay. I mean, I can tell it, you if I shaved it off, I think you'd think it looked weird. When I, mean, I haven't not... shaved it off for quite a long time. Yeah, when did the you... last. The last time I did was when I was Stalin, because as I say, I shaved off the beard but kept the moustache. Right, you shaved off your beard, yeah. <laughs> no, I shaved off the beard but kept the moustache. But what I basically look like is a sort of ancient schoolboy without the beard. Okay. Because I still look sort of, I don't look young, I look old, but I do look sort of more baby childlike face. without a beard. Baby face. But, yeah, sort of baby-faced in a sort of weird way. So I right. just look like a sort of Benjamin Button, although that's the wrong example because he's just a right. person who was born old and got young. Benjamin but yeah, I look like an old person, but somehow or other, like a child who in a magical, bad, horror way has suddenly grown old. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm going to be sensitive here because I don't, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll let you say what you want to say. But I often think people with beards maybe are covering something up. Their skin on their face. <laughs> That's true. No, but I mean, are people, let's leave you out a bit, generally speaking, do people with beards think, well, I look better with my half of my face covered up because I don't like my chin or my neck or my cheeks or I don't know, cheeks? Oh, no, that is certainly the case with me. I'm not covering it up. Well, I'm covering it up, but I'm very open about it. I've talked about it quite often. I have got a double chin and I am under the impression that you can't see that with the hair in right. front of it. That's actually not true, because when I see photos of myself with the beard, I notice, oh, I still look like I've got a double chin. Shit. I thought it was a massively good... I thought it was like Alice Cooper, a door behind <laughs> which you couldn't see the theatrics of my chins. Right. Uh, but I, I do clearly have a double chin. But I think it's worse without hair. Because the other thing people do, and which I could, I guess, do is when they're bald, they wear a beard and just, I don't know, in some sense, trying to make up for the overall acreage. Yes, I think that is definitely true. I remember going to a thing and seeing Will Self make fun of me and I think Mark Lawson, I was at some event, for having upside-down heads. But I always thought that was weird because I'm not bald. I always thought, like, an upside-down head has got to be someone who has a beard but no hair. Yeah. 
But then, no, you know. that definitely doesn't work with you because you've got hair. But there's a thing in... Um... Well, unless I'm upside down with a beard. Yeah, but then you... I know, but then what's the point? What's well, the point that means of... you've got a... Um, what would you call that? A head that you could have either way you want, sort of... Yeah, but uh... you could say that of any head. Well, not mine, because I'm bald. Yeah, but you could still have... If you were upside down, right? Because yeah. you now have a slight five o'clock shadow, <laughs> yeah. you would look like a bloke who's got very small amount of hair That's on his head good. and quite a big chin. Yeah, right. <laughs> with a bit of fuzz on it. <laughs> with a mouth at the top of my head. Well, yeah, but that's true of any upside-down head. Uh, <laughs> so the podcast is going on a bit long. We did record a bit more, but that's the end of it for now. So we'll see you next week with part two. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.